Welcome to Noclip, the podcast that's like a book club for people who don't think that books reward them enough for being good at them. I'm Chad Rutherford. And I'm Andy Kinnick. And today, we're going to be talking about Legacy of Cain, Soul Reaver, a game that was developed by Crystal Dynamics, published by IDOS Interactive, and was released in 1999 on the PlayStation, Windows, and Dreamcast. But first, if you can give us a like or a rating, it would be greatly appreciated. Oh, also, uh-huh. this game was suggested to us uh, by our community uh, and is part of Fan Brewery. Woo! Uh, woo! Yeah. Maybe, maybe insert this at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to put this at the beginning. <laughs> and when you hear it at the beginning, you won't have any thoughts about why we would say this. Uh <laughs> Yeah, I was even going to, like, remind you before we got on, and then I forgot. Why? I don't know why it is so easy to forget these things. Mm -hmm. Uh, Every year in February, we do a month where the games that we play are are suggested to us uh, by members of our community, primarily on our Discord server. I think that's where all of the ones that we're doing this month came from, so... Uh, jump over there uh, if you would like to suggest games. Uh, we take suggestions all year, and we'll probably play some of our fanboy suggestions over the course of the year. Uh, but this is the month where we we celebrate you. Hell yeah! Pat yourself on the back. <laughs> you did it. You did. You did it. <laughs> Uh, the very significant thing of having this podcast exist. <laughs> uh, Soul Reaver is a 3D Metroidvania action-adventure game. Soul Reaver is a video game, <laughs> uh, basically, is what I just said. <laughs> yeah, it's also a sequel to a game called Blood Omen Legacy mm-hmm. of Cain. And I really like the idea of them just always making the name of the new game the subtitle of the last one. <laughs> <laughs> they did not do that, but uh, I find that funny. Yeah, there there was a Soul Reaver 2, unfortunately, and it did continue to be the legacy of Kane. Yeah, but um, do you find the name of this game to be, like, terrible? <laughs> I feel like no, I- Legacy of Kane just sounds like nothing to me. I, I suppose I kind of I don't know if this is like my upbringing, but I feel like Legacy of Cain 100 percent sounds like something. I guess <laughs> uh, I, I just it sounds it hits my ear weird. Like maybe that's just a me thing. That's fair. That's fair. I, I think that there's it's interesting because I feel like we're going to feel exactly the same about this game, <laughs> but for two entirely different reasons. That's kind of where I'm at. I, I could be wrong, but uh-huh. I don't know. Uh, because, yeah, Le- Le- Legacy of Cain, Soul Reaver, which is admittedly such an edgy title, mm-hmm. Uh is also uh, a pretty old game. Uh, it's 25 years old this year, uh, which is notable, mm-hmm. I suppose. Uh, and you actually have a term for this, uh, which is that you have old games literacy. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I tend to take better to old games than other people do. Yeah, which I would say is a combination of 
sort of an understanding, nay, and appreciation for the way that games used to be made. Uh, and and just sort of like your familiarity with it and the fact that you haven't like fully adopted the new and forsaken the old. Uh, <laughs> right. Much like Raziel. Uh, <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but the other half of that is definitely patience, mm-hmm. which I think myself and a large number of people lack in the modern, <laughs> modern era. Uh, and I found this game to, to what to ran, run me to empty very quickly on the old games literacy <laughs> scale. I I think that's understandable. Uh, like one of my biggest things with this game is like there's a lot of side content, and like mm-hmm. I'd be like just trying to progress the story and keep like end up finding like some random optional area for you to like find a spell or whatever i'm like I, I have no idea where to go now i keep i've like th- three different times i've wandered into an area thinking it was the place to go next and it isn't <laughs> yep yeah there was a ton of that like uh and, and like not to blow my thesis load all over the beginning of the podcast but like one of the main things that i took away from this was I fully understand why this is a game that a lot of people remember very fondly, uh, because similar to like a Banjo-Kazooie or a Donkey Kong 64, which we just talked about, mm-hmm. go listen to that episode, uh, it's a game that has a lot to it, and it's a game that you could spend a lot of time with and become very familiar with it, uh, and you know have that like summer of legacy of kane experience yeah. it, it would be much better enjoyed at a slower pace i think mm-hmm. and at least to me like at the time you know like yeah, yeah, yeah coming back to this now it does feel dated uh and honestly there's a lot of stuff in this game that i think are, is really interesting uh that I, we will talk about eventually but i think just like out of the gate the I feel like the genre is really letting this game down a little bit mm-hmm. uh, because I it, it almost plays more like a Zelda game to me than it does like uh, a Castlevania mm-hmm. or, or a Metroid. Yeah, yeah, Zelda felt like the main inspo to me. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would agree. And despite the fact that you said inspo. <laughs> You are still the person with the best old games literacy. (laughs) Uh, I'm the one who's canonically 19 here, Andy. Uh Uh, But yeah, that is, I don't know, just something about it. Like, I I, I get, as an example, Mm -hmm. this game as a Metroidvania, what it does is it has different areas and most of them are blocked off by something that you have to have an ability to pass. That is like the typical formula. Mm-hmm. The very first ability you get that allows you to enter into a new area is an ability to phase through gates. And I think that this is a terrible <laughs> Metroidvania ability. <laughs> and my reasoning behind that is essentially when you're playing Hollow Knight and you see a high ledge you know, uh, you can envision a world where 
you can get up there in any number of ways. I believe in Hollow Knight, the first high ledge you you encounter, you get up by using the pogo ability, mm -hmm. uh, which you get. I th well, actually, you might be able to do that from the beginning. It's been a long time since I played that game. Uh -huh. uh, but you understand like height and abilities that you might get that would allow yeah. you to get to a higher yeah, level. Yeah, it's the wall jump. Yeah. And when you see a gate... You do not think that at all. You think, like, uh, maybe a key, or it's just a decoration <laughs> to make it not seem like that's the boundary of the world. Uh, and I, I got that first ability and had no fucking idea where I was going. Yeah, yeah, I, I lucked out. I, I, I did remember that gate in, uh, like, the main underworld area that leads to the tower, Mm -hmm. Um, but no, you're totally right. Like you don't mentally catalog gates, like even <laughs> after you get the ability, like it's easy right. to like overlook things. Uh, and even like the climbable walls too. Like I didn't really notice them standing out as unique things before I got that ability. So yeah, I, I, I the, had no idea where to go, like to progress after I got it. Yeah, Crystal Dynamics circa 1999 and uh, Santa Monica Studios circa 2022 need to get together to make a game that is a Metroidvania <laughs> and has things that you would actually want to go back to, solving the problem of both games, where this one doesn't feel like it should be a Metroidvania at all, and the other one has things that are gated behind abilities that you'll never go back to. <laughs> so, uh, a little reference to anybody who listened uh, to the Ragnarok episode that we did. Right. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I found that to be not necessarily repeated. Like, I think swimming is a pretty good Metroidvania ability. Uh, and the wall climb as well, though I agree with you. I don't think I even clocked a wall that <laughs> looked like significantly different enough for me to put in my head. Right. Uh, until I already had the ability and was looking for it. So I don't know. And, and this leads me into two different directions and I'll let you pick as to which road we want to go down here. <laughs> sure. Uh, because one is just mechanics of the game. I feel like the game didn't uh, guide the player very well. Uh, mm -hmm. Or, uh, fuck. Let's just do that one because okay. I've now forgotten the second red. <laughs> I think I was gonna pick that one anyway. Probably. Good. Uh, no, I think I would agree. Uh, like the in the if you're watching on YouTube, YouTube.com/slash Nuclear Podcast. Um, <laughs> um, you'll see that like I, at the beginning of the game, as I'm like just punching enemies into a fire. Like, I'm just punching them until they're dazed, and then I'm like, just keep punching them to push them into the fire to kill them. Because I didn't know uh -huh. you could pick enemies up and throw them. Uh, you know, like, it took me a while to realize you could pick up weapons, and yeah, like, there's a, a couple of mechanics that it just doesn't tell you about. Uh, I did the exact same thing, so you don't need to feel... <laughs> Uh, bad about that one. I punched many enemies into fires before realizing that I could throw enemies at things. Yep. Uh, I, I did know that you could pick weapons up earlier on, uh, but much of the combat in this game was, um, was mystified. I was unable to figure <laughs> out and didn't know. Like, I didn't know about the, the Y button 
impalement like finisher move. Oh uh, yeah. For a long time. So I would hit somebody with a weapon and then continue hitting them into a fire. <laughs> uh, and, and eventually I figured that out. And I don't know. It's weird because there are several parts of this game where there are controls or instructions, but they'll be on screen for like a half a second. Mm-hmm. And if you don't remember them, it's just gone forever. Uh, I don't know if this game has like a, ma- it, it probably had a paper manual that came yeah. with it that might have been very helpful. Uh, but the in-game experience is is nothing. There's no tutorializing whatsoever. And it, it takes a while to get a grasp of. Yeah, it's also, I think also like the look around by holding mm. L2 and R2 mechanic isn't mentioned at all. <laughs> nope, not as far as I could see. I learned that one from Googling. Yep. Got <laughs> uh, what? Oh, the game has a teleporter, like a fast travel mm. system, and it's not labeled at all. And you just, it expects you to remember symbols over the course of <laughs> 12 hours. Uh, and I will never, ever remember those symbols. I, I took the teleporter to the wrong location. Every time I took the <laughs> teleporter, like I never teleported to the correct place on my first attempt, uh, uh, which is <laughs> that's a problem. Yeah, I, I think I had less friction with it. And I do like the idea on paper <laughs> of like having to like put forth the effort to like learn the symbols. But I do largely agree. Like there's enough of them that they should be labeled. Yeah, or by the end of the game, there's like 15 or something. Yeah, yeah, there's a bunch of them. And like, you don't, they're not just unlabeled. They also all exist, every room is identical. Mm -hmm. So there's nothing else to clue you in. You have to just remember the symbol. Yeah, like the order of them can clue you in, I guess. Like, you're like, it's like this area, and that's like the third one. So maybe it's like one of these three or... (laughs) Sure. But okay, here, uh, if you recall the Drowned Cistern, I don't know what it was called. The Mm -hmm. the one where you learned to swim. Right. Uh, The water level. (laughs) The water level. In the water level, after you leave the teleporter room, Mm -hmm. you go through a door that closes behind you permanently. Mm. Uh, And I didn't know what to do about that. And so I took the teleporter to the wrong place I went to investigate what location I was at to see if I got it right by going out the long hallway (laughs) to see where I had teleported to because I did not know. And then the door closed behind me and I couldn't then teleport away. I found out later that you could save and quit and it would take you back to like the starting zone. Right, yeah. Uh, But I was like looking around for somebody to kill me. I was like, (laughs) I have to take a death. But there's like no, there's like uh, those little gremlin soul men. I oh, found yeah. a pack of those that wouldn't attack me. So <laughs> I just like Googled, like, how do I get out of here? And they were like, you can save and quit. I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> and it does take a while to die in this game as well. <laughs> it really does. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I fucking hate. <laughs> the teleporter, uh, and I wish that there there was anything to indicate what it was supposed to go to. Yeah, 
Uh, yeah, you get to do that like silly thing where you just like come up with like names for them yourself. You'd be like, this is the one that looks like an eye with emo bangs over it. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. But also, how many times did you take the teleporter? Like, how worth it is it even to do that? Uh, I don't know. I feel like I used it like a somewhat decent amount, but like not a ton. Like, it's not a game where you're going to be like warping around constantly. Yeah. Like, I think I took it like five times. Uh, that's maybe slightly more than that but not a lot uh and every time i took it i went to the wrong location (laughs) which did make me not want to take it so maybe that's why i took it less right i want to say my my number is probably closer to like 25 to 30 times (laughs) 25 times yeah that's probably reasonable But yeah, I don't know. I think, uh, to me, in this, in the year of our Lord 2024, Uh I think potentially the (laughs) the biggest hurdle to get over into playing this game is the fact that it's very vague, and it does not give you great indication of what it is you're supposed to be doing. Like, even after, like, I had gotten into the game and was playing it and had a general idea of its vocabulary, Mm -hmm. it would still be like... Oh, your brother is in the east. You got an ability, so you can go there now. And I would have no idea where to go. There's no map or compass, so like east means nothing. Uh, I don't know if I was supposed <laughs> to like look at the direction the sun was in, <laughs> but like I didn't know where I was supposed to go, so I had a lot of aimless wandering. Yeah, yeah. I think the first time you're given a direction like that, you're standing at like the waterfall thing from the opening cutscene where they throw you in the in the water and right. he's like oh it's to the to the west and it's like on your right so i think you're supposed to know like that's north the way that like the camera was pointing when you were told that the first time i think is the way you're supposed to tell direction when they give you that but oh. uh like you got go back to that area like was, i think it was like the idea but no, I agree. This game, it's one of the rare occasions where I'm going to say their game should have had a map. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you got, you know it's bad if it even broke Andy. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, like, there's a lot of progression where you have to, like, go back through old areas and it's, like, not clear how they, like, relate or fit together. Like, it's hard to get, like, a mental, like, I think just, like, a world map. Like, it doesn't even, like, it doesn't need, like, a mini map, I don't think. But, like, just a world map so you can be like, oh there's an unexplored path over here. I'll go there mm-hmm. and explore, you know, and find the, the way forward. It just needs like something to orient you a little bit. Yeah. And, and like, I don't, I don't know how intentional it was, you know, like to, to some extent, I feel like they, it, it feels impl- maybe I'm just conspiratorially minded, <laughs> but like, it feels like it's like this, to make you wander around aimlessly in order to add time to the game. Uh, but it could just be they didn't want to implement a map. Yeah. I but like, then they needed to implement something else to point you in the right direction. Yeah, I think it's more of like a like half-baked attempt to get you like to incentivize you to explore more. Like they want sure. you to find the optional areas and like you just kind of wander into them when you're not 100 percent where to go. Like, I think maybe that's what they were going for, like maybe a little bit more of a positive intent. But uh, yeah, and, like they also like really like serve up that word salad to you. 
where they're like, yeah, like you were saying, like, yeah, your brother, this name is in the whatever proper noun, blah, 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 uh-huh. in the East. And you're like, that means nothing to me. Yeah, and it's weird because, like, there's a part of me that wanted, that actively was trying to engage with that stuff. Like, to hear those things and make sense of them, because I know that one of the things that this game is known for is having, like, a well-written narrative and, like, something that's well-acted and 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 fulfilled, like, a, a, a narrative that actually, like, does something meaningful for its time. Mm-hmm. And... I couldn't do it. They kept giving me names of things that I had zero previous experience with. Uh, And I'm not saying the narrative is bad. I'm saying that I didn't get it. And I think it might be because I didn't play Blood Omen or Mm -hmm. the game is just giving me too many proper nouns. It it must be sci-fi fans who liked (laughs) this. Yeah. Once again, maybe the manual helped here. Like it maybe had the thing where it had like the the character bios and stuff maybe that even had, maybe even had a map in it like that old games did have that sometimes i would lose my absolute shit <laughs> if there was a map in the manual oh god we need manuals again i guess yeah i i think like don't quote me on this but like like either like one of the, like the narrative writers or like scenario writers for this game went on to like work on uncharted it's like one of like I, the main people, and like you can almost kind of see that like action adventure game DNA in this. Oh yeah, like especially with the way that the game is sort of like I I don't I don't know how to put this. Like the game is very much world oriented, mm-hmm. I guess. Like it isn't so much about the action. It is much heavier on the adventure. Yeah, exploring the world is like a big... It's like the the meat and potatoes, really. Right. Much more so than the actual, like, moment-to-moment, like, mechanical gameplay. Mm -hmm. So I I can totally see that as, like, an evolution. Like, uh, or, like, to cinematic platformers before this. Like, things like Oddworld, like, where the game is not so much about your execution on mechanics, but it is about, like getting the experience of going through uh, and you do have the mechanical interaction. Like, I I don't know if this is the place to talk about it, but like the combat in this game sucks. <laughs> like just full stop, like is not good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's unfortunate because like they give you so many things to do in combat. Yeah. It's too uh, stiff because it's a yeah. PlayStation one game. <laughs> <laughs> and the enemies don't really have any tells and can just attack you out of like instantaneously mm-hmm. uh which uh, honestly is not something that i i'm not going into this game from 1999 expecting it to play like dark souls right mm-hmm. like but what i am expecting is if your game does do this you should not have uh, a very important state of being full health when you can have the soul reaver mm-hmm. and then have enemies be able to spawn immediately next to you and just kill you. Yeah. The respawning enemies was lame. Like I thought it was really cool that like, especially early on before you have the soul reaver and it's harder to kill them. Like it really feels like killing an enemy is something you earned. And like right. when they just like respawn, it feels bad. I, I like that. There's like different things you can do in the combat like you can impale stuff 
and you can burn them and throw them in the water and stuff like but then it feels like not that far into the game you get the soul reaver and then you don't really need that stuff anymore and then like you always want to like pick up a weapon just in case you get hit because like you only have the soul reaver at full health but then yep. you have to switch back and forth between like the physical and the spirit world and when you switch to the spirit world you can't hold items so like you can't take them with you a lot of the time so like there's a lot of like stopping and going like that uh that kind of adds up. Yeah, it, it is kind of a, and it's a bummer because like, uh, this is like some of the stuff that I think the game does really well, uh, or it, it does at least in a very interesting way are these like little combat mechanics, like having the spikes on the walls that you can throw people into uh, and having them burn in fire and light and water. So there's like all of these different, elements to how you dispatch somebody and the game can either make it easier or harder to perform combat by how the set of the room how the room is set up these Mm -hmm. are english words (laughs) uh (laughs) and then it then the soul reaver just completely replaces that because the soul reaver does interact with another system that I also like that it ruins, which is I like that your health drains over time when you're in the material world, because Mm. it gives you this incentive to sort of like one engage in combat to heal and two to like that. There is some urgency. And even when there isn't urgency, it reminds you that the spirit realm exists and that you can go to it and then that makes changes in the world Mm -hmm. so there's lots of push and pull with all of these different mechanics that are really cool and then it introduces the soul reaver and it encourages you to ignore all of them (laughs) and it just bums me out and and the game also acknowledges this to an extent because no longer are you fighting people near lakes or with spikes on the walls. You're now fighting ten guys in a room. <laughs> and it's like, cool, thanks. <laughs> like, it's, I don't know, it just gets... It's much more boring when you have a weapon like the Soul Reaver where you don't have to finish the enemies. Yeah. Yeah, at the very least, it feels like it should have come later in the game. Mm-hmm. Did you get the Fire Reaver? Yeah, yeah. Did it, did it make any difference in the game at all to you? <laughs> Not really. I didn't get a ton of places to use it because, like you said, they stopped putting fire in places. Yeah. So you can't really. Power yeah. It it is, up. Yeah. Yeah. And if you get hit with it and it, and the soul reaver goes away and mm-hmm. then you heal back up, you don't get the fire reaver back. Right. Uh. So yeah, I think I may have. It like lets you kill the basic vampire enemies in like one hit. Yeah, it's more powerful. Is, yeah, but none of the bosses in the game have health bars. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, it's so weird to get a super weapon in a game that doesn't have, like, any combat where it's relevant. Yeah, yeah, it feels like it's like the the guys that shoot, like, the air projectile, like the mm-hmm. big goat men or whatever they are, <laughs> uh, were, like, the ones that it was good against. Because I think those were the hardest enemies, unless I'm forgetting something. That's probably true. Or the the, but they're the hardest enemies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're the hardest enemies because 
they can hit you from far away before you even know they're there mm -hmm. and make you lose the fucking flame reaver and then you can't use it. <laughs> and then you just pummel them and then switch back to the spirit realm to get the soul reaver again and then mm -hmm. kill them that way. Uh, which happened all too frequently. <laughs> uh, that is the other thing about the combat that isn't any good. Uh, almost every enemy <laughs> is like designed to hit you before you can hit them after the like second enemy they introduce. Yeah, it, it really feels like they were trying to like solve the problem of like we don't just want the player to like mash the attack button <laughs> but like yeah it's just done in a like janky ps1 way <laughs> uh -huh. you hit them twice and then they hit you and, and then they you sucker hit them punch twice. you yeah yeah <laughs> uh yeah so it's a real bummer uh, most of the time though like i wouldn't say that it necessarily interfered with like the meat and potatoes of the game because the combat very clearly is not that mm -hmm. except for a couple of rooms where there were infinitely respawning enemies right uh, which uh, interrupted something that like the, i'll get we'll get to but. like the fucking uh spider things in the tower yep. yeah oh man that was, yep, it's so annoying, because there's, because of the way that everything is set up, there's almost no penalty to taking the damage except time. Mm -hmm. So you just have to go back to the spirit room, then come back again, and then kill them. Yeah. And then they respawn, but they're not on camera, so you gotta do it over and over again. <laughs> it's just yeah. very frustrating. <laughs> yeah, like... I, I, it's very frustrating mechanically, but like I almost think it's kind of cool from like a like a story perspective because like the the whole place is covered in eggs, and like I think the boss is like kind of like fused into the wall, and I think it's just like laying spider eggs constantly, and like that's kind of cool. <laughs> it, it is for sure the coolest boss. Yeah, but it, yeah, very annoying to deal with though. Yeah. Yeah, uh, thematics on point, but mm -hmm. everything else more questionable. Uh, I guess also to deal with combat, uh, you don't really die very much. Like, it's, you can die, die, but it's very yeah. difficult to do. I don't <laughs> know if I ever did. Um, but yeah, so you had the you get dropped down your energy uh, spiral gets down to zero then you are forced into the spirit world where you have like another full spiral thing uh mm -hmm. and you just have to like reeve some souls to get it charged <laughs> back up and then find a spot to pass back over to the physical world so uh -huh. it's, it's treated more like a puzzle mechanic and i think that's cool especially like for the time it feels pretty unique way to handle it yeah uh, yeah, to, to, it's sort of, it's like if in Zelda, you died and went to the dark world mm -hmm. and then could still come back eventually, but like you had to do something first, whatever. Like it's, it's, it's interesting because death in the material plane sends you to somewhere that being in the spectral plane might actually help you move forward. It might reveal something about the world that you didn't recognize, mm -hmm. uh, which is cool and a good decision. I think um, it's more just in the execution that ends up uh, 
that it ever ended up being a thing. I will say the punishment for death death is extremely harsh. So I am <laughs> glad that they don't do it. It's not like a, oh, oops, I didn't save the game for the last six hours and now it's all gone. Harsh. But it is go all the way back to the earliest point of the game, which makes you replay the tutorial. <laughs> Yeah, well, you have to jump across stuff. Yeah, the warp room is before all of that. If you yeah. make if you make use of it, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, I don't think I've replayed the tutorial of a game more than this game, <laughs> <laughs> and I still didn't know shit about how the mechanics worked. <laughs> I just knew how to jump across stuff. <laughs> how about okay? So how how likely is this game to? show up in the leave the jumping to the platformers category. What did you think about the platforming in this game? Uh, there wasn't as much of it as I expected there to be given the era that this was made. Um, <laughs> That's true. And it, it has a lot of this game era problems, like with the camera and platforming, but like, I found it to be, like, much more manageable than I expected it to be. I don't know if it's because you have a glide. Uh, that's probably it. But, like, I didn't have too much trouble with, like, making jumps and stuff. Uh, I would agree, I think, largely with that statement. I think that the the platforming itself was not horrible. Uh, but it, it was, like... It, I don't know. It's hard to say. I wanted to say that the platforming was like a third of the game, but I oh. guess that's not, I guess that's not like really true. Maybe that's just how it felt to me. I felt like a lot of this game was spent just like jumping places. Yeah. I guess like the second dungeon, the tower, uh, has a lot of it. I think there, there's like certain sections. Right. I I actually I sorry I just had a thought when you mentioned the camera and mm. I I now have to deal with like I have to reconcile this in my head. So mm -hmm. I played the Dreamcast version of this game, but I played it using an Xbox Elite controller. Okay. Uh, <laughs> which realistically is not laid out that much differently than a Dreamcast controller. Uh -huh. But the thing I forgot about and just googled a photo of a Dreamcast controller to refresh myself the d-pads on the left which is uh -huh. also where the d-pad is on modern game controllers mm -hmm. uh but the so the camera thing the camera is mapped to left and right on the d-pad but then your spells are mapped to up on the d-pad which brings up a menu mm -hmm. uh which means that if you use an analog control which is what i did i changed the D-pad map over to the analog map. You can't move left and right and then look up, which is going to be your natural thinking thing to do because it will open up the, the menu. Mm -hmm. uh, and the, now that I'm finding out that the D-pad and the thumbstick are on the same side of a Dreamcast controller, uh, that is insane that they would map the, the, Controls. I mean, it's the only way they could have mapped it. Yeah, um, given the, the uh, controller. <laughs> yeah, on, I so I played on the PlayStation Three, like it, the uh, mm -hmm. 
PS1 version is just available on the PlayStation Network, only on the PlayStation 3 for some reason, yeah. uh, and not the 4 or the 5. But um, So it, it works with, you move with a D-pad, there wasn't an option to make it like use analog sticks, because the original game didn't, I guess. Uh, so you move with the D-pad, L2 and R2 move the camera left and right, and uh, you have to hold them in to like stop and look up and down. You can't actively look up and down. Uh, right. And I think select opens the spell menu. Ah, uh, okay. So in the Dreamcast controls, since there's only one trigger on both sides, mm-hmm. that's your like crouch and your lock on mm. slash sneak button. Right. Uh, and then the. Yeah, the camera's on left and right, and then spells are on up. So, uh, that's strange. Yeah. <laughs> I and forgot it, like, about the, 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 that there was a PlayStation era prior to the DualShock. Yep. Like, well, where they it, didn't have analog sticks. But if you had the original version of the game, though, like, I, I at least I know I had, like, a late-era PS1 that came with a controller with analog sticks, and there was just an analog button you could push on it, like under the start and select. And you could just play any games that use the D-pad with the analog stick. Right. So if I had a light that came on. Yeah, yeah. And so if I had like a PS1 disc for this, I would have been able to play it with an analog stick. That is kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah but I the PSN version, <laughs> at least as far as I know, maybe there's something in the menu that you can like the PlayStation 3 menu you could do, but. Fuck if I know. Yeah. Same. Yeah, it's crazy that <laughs> in the 3D era of games, like in the first era of 3D games, we did not universally have camera controls mm-hmm. the way that we we do now. This is just an old man yelling at, <laughs> not even at clouds, at the weather 25 years ago which is not relevant to anyone at this point so yeah. i'll move on from it the camera does suck and does like to just like uh, like the tower level there the boss has a, a tunnel that leads down to it and you can just hold up because the camera will rush to get into position <laughs> At all times, meaning that you don't even have to turn. And it means that if you do turn, then you move in awkward giant semicircles because of how rapidly the camera is shifting. Uh, it's just like a of the time thing that they didn't get cameras down quite yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is kind of jarring in situations in here, in this game. Yeah, it feels like the kind of thing where like the PS1 and the N64 came out and then people quickly were like, we need a, you know, their stick for the camera. <laughs> or four yellow buttons. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we, we figured it out pretty quickly after that. <laughs> yeah. I have other things to talk about. There's a couple of glaring ones that we, that at least I have been like sort of talking around. Right. Uh, but do you think that it might be beneficial to talk about those things after After the the break. break. Uh, yeah. Hell yeah, let's hit a break.
Welcome back to the second half of the podcast. Good to be back. Good to have you back. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, one of the big things about this game that I wanted to say, I want to, I want to say it now. And I also said it about 30 times while I was playing the game. And that is, why, God, have you abandoned us? Why more block-pushing puzzles? Please stop making me push blocks. Uh, thoughts? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there are way too many block-pushing puzzles. Uh... <laughs> And like it's there's like some good puzzle design that's like wasted on more block pushing puzzles because like there's like <laughs> yeah. some ones that are pretty clever where like they have like we've talked about this before but like like signal and noise and puzzle design mm-hmm. uh, where like you're getting like just the right amount of signal where you like know what you're supposed to be doing for the puzzle but like there's like an extra block or like an extra like something that like throws you off. And you actually have to think about it for a second. And I'm like, that's some good puzzle design. Too uh-huh. bad I'm just pushing blocks around. <laughs> Again. <laughs> we, we will forever exist in the block push universe. Uh, it, it's funny because like it does. like If you boil it down to like what the game is, right? You have navigation. You have some combat that isn't great it's not tight Mm -hmm. for sure and then the rest of the game is the witness except (laughs) if all of the puzzles are block pushing puzzles like it's just increasing difficulty of the same kind of puzzle over and over and over again yeah except for weirdly in like the last dungeon where all the puzzles were really easy (laughs) yes (laughs) but Still involve pushing blocks. Yes. There are like two distinct block pushing puzzles in the yeah. final dungeon. You gotta make a nice little picture. You have to make a nice picture. Uh, that one, I literally came to that puzzle and then just like put the game down. I was like, I'll come back to it tomorrow. <laughs> I can't, if you make me push one more block, <laughs> I'm gonna go fucking yeah. insane. And I, there was the one where you had to like move the blocks to like let make the gears move again. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's cool. You're actually like yeah. using the blocks to like interact with the environment. That's the only thing it ever did, though. Yeah. <laughs> like there was never a point where you had to take that knowledge and then stop gears from turning by pushing blocks in front of them. There was an optional uh, area where you had to do that. Oh, uh, OK. I just did not get yeah. that one. I did the block pushing puzzle with the Uzumaki mural uh, of all of the dudes becoming spirals. I don't know oh, if you remember yeah. this at all. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It like makes a guy smash an anvil and you get the fire yeah, the and one the that, stone power up. Yeah, it was kind of like an Egyptian tomb looking thing. Yeah. Uh, and that, and I was, I, I'm pretty sure that's the one that killed my desire to explore. Yeah, God. It's because fucking... I was like, are they all just going to be more block pushing puzzles? Yeah. That one even had like a block hidden outside of the room. It did, yeah. Yeah. Which was nice, you know? It, I was like a little variety in my block pushing puzzles. <laughs> I've. <laughs> I'm eating a bowl of jelly beans, but this time I added the red <laughs> ones to it. <laughs> totally a different experience now. <laughs> Not going to get sick of these in about five minutes. Uh. <laughs> 
that's uh honestly and that's like my biggest fucking problem too like like i can overlook so many of the this game's issues and and like i i don't want to overstate how bad of a design just making everything you do in the game pushing blocks is because like (laughs) it's it certainly isn't that much but when you look at the game holistically there are so many things that like don't quite hit par and the fact that there were so many block pushing puzzles took me so far out of this game like i wanted to get i wanted to love this game because it did so many cool interesting things and then the number of block pushing puzzles made me just not want to sit down and play it Mm -hmm. uh for so long yeah i have to wonder like if i was an adult in 1999 it like if it would have felt that way like does like at the time i wonder like if this game felt like ah, it's got like a lot of cool things going on but none of them are quite fully realized or would That's it be like yeah, yeah this game fucking kicks ass or whatever it's off the chain whatever we said in 1999 <laughs> <laughs> uh, i wouldn't know i wasn't born yet uh-huh. uh but, <laughs> but uh I, I, as i'm sure that you're aware uh, this game did get very favorable reviews when it came out. Mm-hmm. The uh, Wikipedia page said that there was a critical reception to it because of repetitive gameplay. <laughs> well, that could, there's definitely some merit yeah, to that. I don't know sure. if that was at the time or it's been over time that I they suppose, got that reputation. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, because this is one of those games that, I mean, in a way this being a February game, mm-hmm. uh, it sort of is how it came to us. Like I, I was aware of this game and had been for a while, but I didn't own any of the, the consoles that it was available on when I was uh, a kid. Mm-hmm. And so that I, this game just like existed and I was aware of it, but I never played it and I didn't really know much about it, but it's a game that has like, even now, like a dedicated fan base, like not this game specifically. I mean, yes, this game specifically, but like the soul reaver and soul reaver two and blood omen, like all of the legacy of Kane games have like a reputation. Um, and so to me, it was very strange to come into it and, and see, what to me feels like a very, like a very middling game underneath of the stuff that I think people actually like, uh, which is like the lore and the aesthetic and everything else. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I never knew. A, I didn't play it at the time either and have known about it for a while. I thought that this was a PS2 game before it got suggested. Uh, I didn't realize it was a PlayStation one game, but uh, mm-hmm. like I know if I would have played this as a kid, I would fucking love it. Like I'd be a huge uh, <laughs> uh, soul reaver Stan. It'd be a big soul head. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I do. I think it is pretty ahead of its time though. And a lot of like it's uh, ambitions. So I, I, I totally get why it has a cult following. Yeah. And like I was kind of mentioning on the first half, um, like, even as a Metroidvania game, like, the genre of Metroidvania games didn't really... It, it wasn't codified, really, at the time. This would have been called, like, an action-adventure game. Mm-hmm. But this still feels like it's one that's trying to put a twist on it. Like, it has a lot of really interesting mechanical decisions that it makes. 
Uh, so it, it definitely like deserves its flowers. I'm not trying to take anything away from it. It's mm-hmm. just like, uh, to me, it feels very, uh, I don't know, focused in a different place. Yeah. And that place isn't the music. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, the music of this game is quaint. Uh, and I mean that in the, it feels as though it was made by people who just learned about music <laughs> recently. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's very ambient. It's very noises focused. Mm-hmm. A lot of the song's instrumentation seems to be done by like hammers and people screaming. <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh and it really drones uh and is sparse and is it's just such a unpleasant experience. Uh and it and it just sits over the whole game and there's very little variation to it. <laughs> uh I don't know if this bothered you as much as me, but I was like playing it with headphones the whole time. Mm. So just really right in there, in yeah. the old brain. I found myself not really taking any notice of it, like, at all. <laughs> uh. I, it's crazy to me. I mean, somebody literally, they just, the audience just heard it, like, ten minutes ago. Uh-huh. But, like, most of the songs are like, yeah, like, for, it's just horrible. Uh, yeah, to, to me, it felt just very, like, much like it instantly faded into the background. And then every once in a while, like, there would they would be the use of human voices in a track. And it would be, like, almost like, a, I don't know if it's at all what they were going for, but, like, almost kind of startle me. <laughs> right. I was like, oh, shit. There's, like, weird, I mean, it was weird a little chanting. Startling. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, I did not play with headphones. I imagine that makes a big difference. It could, it could. Uh, <laughs> that's all I really had to say about the music. <laughs> uh, but I did want to bring it up before we get into a- a- anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I mean, I guess off the back of that, like the voice acting in this, I think is like like a high watermark for its time. Oh, 100%. I, yeah. I was really surprised. Uh, yeah, like, most PS1 games have, like, awful voice acting, or almost none of it. <laughs> uh, and this has, like, like a good voice cast. <laughs> um, the narrator, voiced by man whose name I will never remember. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Tony J, I believe. Yeah, it's Tony something. I think it sounds right. Yeah, Fro- I have I have the IMDb page pulled up specifically yeah. for this conversation. Yep, Frollo. Yeah, Frollo from Hunchback of Notre Dame and other plenty of other movies. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, and uh, whoever voices Raziel, like I think, is also a great performance. Yeah, the 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 performances are both good, uh, and also like notable in the fact that they like <laughs> i don't know they're used in, in a way that is like actual storytelling mm-hmm. right like it, it they will come on uh the narrator character is like a within the the narrative of the game is a god that has brought you 
into the eternal realm of life mm-hmm. where you can coexist in the spectral plane or whatever. So he gets to sort of have this free pass, narratively speaking, to be able to just jump in and have a conversation whenever he feels like it. Uh, and they use it to pretty good effect because it allows you to sort of like set up each new area. I wish they set up how you got there. Mm-hmm. Um but once you get to that location, he'll come in and he'll give you a little bit of backstory. And so it gives context to everything else that you see. Um, so, yeah, I also just I really liked that part of it. I thought that it was all done pretty well. Some of the bosses aren't voiced the best, yeah, but even, most of them are horrible monsters. So yeah, it's OK. Yeah, even still, though, like you think of a lot of other games and it like a lot of them felt like they had like no money. <laughs> For voice, like you know, like and like the actors aren't really being directed as to like what's happening, <laughs> and you get a lot of like weird stilted like dialogue. Like this actually felt like it had direction, <laughs> even those like minor characters. You're like they know what game they're in. They know they're playing a big blubbering monster, and uh-huh. <laughs> you know, like they like it feels like everything like feels cohesive. That's true. Yeah, yeah. It, it never took me out of it, and. It's funny to see because, like, this game came out, I think, two or three years after the first Resident Evil, a game where the voice acting is so notoriously bad that, like, to some extent, that is the appeal to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and it's like you could not, on the very same console, draw a bigger contrast. Uh, And that's like Capcom. A, a studio that ex- is the Mega Man people. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had lots of money. Uh, and then IDOS, who uh, who are still around, I think, or they've been purchased by a company with the same name as them like three times, and now I think Square <laughs> owns them. Uh, <laughs> there's like a weird thing with IDOS, but like uh, there's still like a known quantity. But I think at the time, like they hadn't made that many games. Uh, and to bust out like a a performance piece like your legacy of Kane, mm-hmm. honestly, pretty impressive. Yeah, and like I feel like the while the narrative is pretty sparse, I think it's like one of those early like pretty effective video game narratives. Like, um, like it knows like its limitations, and I think like plays to its strengths. Like you mentioned, like the narrator, uh, like being like just like a good performance and giving you like descriptions of the areas and stuff. But like you, you, you spend enough time with him that like you start to like question like what his motivations are and like what he, he's like, he's like, is he using Raziel or is he like, you know, is he going to end up being the villain in the next one or something? You know, uh, can you trust him or not? So like, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of that you can read into from just that, like, that performance i think and i think it's i don't know it it does a lot with a a little yeah a question by the way of like can you trust the narrator uh what happens in the next game that we legitimately do not know the answer to right now (laughs) yeah yeah. did you finish the game i did yeah okay yeah i don't know if i've ever seen a game actually end on a cut to black to be continued uh i i want to say that i have but you could be right this might be the first one i <laughs> uh, not to jump to the right to the end of the game already but uh 
That uh, like, it's fine. That uh, that really surprised me. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was pretty shocking, especially considering that like you you fight Kane twice in the game, mm-hmm. and the first time is when you get the Soul Reaver, uh, which is like his plan spectacularly backfiring, and then. In the third act, in the heat of the third act of the game, he fucking Looney Tunes throws a, a paints a door on the wall and runs out of it into another dimension. Mm-hmm. Like it is a nutso ending for this game. Yeah, uh, like, I, I even think like what they're going for could have been like cool, but it feels like almost like rushed. Like yeah, well. I know actually that it was not the intended ending for the game. Mm. Uh, I don't don't remember if it was like a time or a budget limitation, but uh, there was supposed to be more to this game and it got sort of like put into the sequel. Mm. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I think it said something about like they had a falling out with Silicon Knights, which I think made Blood Omen. Right. So I don't know how the rights worked out with that, but. And Eternal Eternal Darkness? Is that the same company? Oh, maybe. So I, sh- I don't know. I shouldn't be having these moments on air. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think like because like I like like the um the end of the game, you're running up to all the stargates, and it's almost like the uh like the prophecy wall. Mm-hmm. You know, like from like the never ending story where you see the adventure you just went on <laughs> laid out in front of you. Um and then, like, you go, and, like, Kane, he's obviously, like, he's found this research lab. He's kind of, like, got a mad scientist thing going on. Then he, like, flees through one of the gates. And then, like, that made my mind go to, like, oh, are we going to, like, cross over to another dimension? Is this where, like, the narrator, the old god is from, maybe? Or, like, right. I feel like there's, like, some interesting things for your, like, brain to narratively chew on with that. But, like, it just, it feels very rushed. Yeah. And, and I do. I fully agree. It's like there's this uh, the game starts to because they introduce like Kronos or Kr- I forget. Honestly, now they introduce some Mobius. Mobius. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. At the end of the game uh, as sort of this like what like when you finish the game is like essentially a foreshadowing moment uh, because it, it's just sort of like you've been like it's called the material plane. Obviously the game has magic and stuff, but you've been existing in sort of a normal ish space, uh-huh. a tower, a, a place with a, with some, with a pipe organ, <laughs> some other shit, you know, there's lots of weird things in here, <laughs> but like what you kind of expect. Mm-hmm. And then at the end you like go down uh, like an infinitely long spiraling tunnel past a bunch of gates into into space mm-hmm. uh, that show you scenes from your past and future. And the game really sort of like narratively speaking becomes a lot more weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I also was kind of like expecting a bigger finale than we got. Yeah. Uh, but I think that that's probably, I think, true of like anyone who played this game. <laughs> it just sort of ends on a weird note. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, go ahead. <laughs> uh, I, I just wanted to, um, to do any, like, uh, talk about, like, any favorite, least favorite areas or, like, dungeons, puzzles, whatever. 
Uh, and I wanted to start that off by talking about, I learned this today from a review. This game has a weird reputation mechanic with the humans, where if like the first time you run into humans, if you don't kill them, when you go to the um, human settlement, which is an optional area, uh, mm-hmm. but if you go to the human settlement later in the game, they won't be hostile to you and they'll think of you as a god and let you walk in and take the item that's there. Which, or, but if you kill them, then they'll be hostile to you and they'll run away or the ones with weapons will attack you. So, like, I thought that was a really interesting secret mechanic that's just in the game. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I didn't know. I didn't know about the human settlement. Mm. Uh, so here was my experience. Uh-huh. Uh, the first time I ran into a human was that night that's like just hanging out by a gate. Uh-huh. Uh, and I had no health. So I just jumped over him and ran away, mm-hmm. uh, which I guess was the right thing to do. Later, I found some humans and they were like bowing to me. Oh, it was yeah. like in well, a cave. Yeah, right before a, a warp point. But then later there were some humans and they just attacked me and uh. killed me. <laughs> uh, so I don't know what happened there. I guess there are certain humans that are immune to my devilish <laughs> charm. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's interesting. I did not know about that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I ended up having like a like a classic Undertale moment where I just at the beginning of the game, I just I just killed the first couple of humans I came across. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. These ones aren't hostile. I'll stop killing humans. Like, I had the thought to do it, but not right away. So I don't get rewarded for it. Mm-hmm. Are you going to Are you going to kill all humans? Yeah, yeah. Well, then at that point... I, I will kill all humans. Yeah, at that point, you might as well. Exactly. Just go to town. No, yeah. Uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, as far as, like, favorite, like, areas or mm-hmm. whatever, I think that... Uh, None of them? Hold on. <laughs> no. Uh, we already talked about it. One of these is my favorite dungeon. Uh, though, honestly, all the dungeons are at least reasonably well... They all stick in my mind, mm-hmm. but it's hard to p- pick the perks. I don't know what their fucking names are. Yeah, they're none of them are... I think they're not too long, either, for the most part. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, uh, my least favorite part of this game as a whole i think is just the end of it like Mm. the last dungeon the last ability you get where you run in a circle (laughs) around shit is like the stupidest thing in the whole world Mm -hmm. kane is like the worst boss of any game (laughs) in history uh (laughs) because you just run around (laughs) and hope that you get near him when he spawns the the spider tower mm-hmm. I thought was a cool dungeon. It involved things like pushing blocks, but blocks with fire on them so that they like burned ropes and it caused like the floor to cave in. Uh, it had, it had some cool stuff in it that I did like. So I would say that one is probably my favorite of them. Yeah, I, I think that's my favorite as well. Like I, I mentioned it multiple times while we were talking, which I think kind of mm-hmm. cemented it. Yeah, like, it's the one that felt like the most like I don't know, like satisfying. Like I don't know, something about like scaling a tower, even though like 
you can't quite tell that that's what you're doing necessarily. Like you might forget why you're in it, but like there's just something about it. Like it felt like an op, like a like I really overcame something when I beat it. I guess like it felt challenging mm-hmm. in a way. Maybe the others didn't. And like there was a little bit more like spatial awareness where you have to like put the updraft on and then like close the pipes and stuff like a little bit more of that like Zelda style. Like you had to think about the dungeon as a space sort of stuff. Uh, and I like in the the snowy area right before the the final dungeon uh yeah like the canes canes labyrinth or whatever uh because like i like the boss where you have to like have him chase you through it and you right. have to, you lead him back to like the combustion room or whatever the fuck that is and then you <laughs> kill him there uh, that was a cool idea yeah i i really like that boss i felt like the the dungeon itself could have used some indication that it was going to like it it's really clever that they managed to set the dungeon up in a way that made that boss fight possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can imagine a worse version of it where like the boss itself has to like break through walls, but because you actually create the paths, like you drop the drawbridge, you blow up the hole to the tunnel when you ignite the thing in the first place. Mm-hmm. I thought that was all extremely good. I wish there was like the slightest indication of where or why you were doing what you were doing with, mm-hmm. with the, the boss. But I think honestly, it's a pretty minor gripe and definitely deserves the shout out. Like yeah. it's also, if cool. we were the game makers toolkit <laughs> boss keys, that is the dungeon that wins the, the game. I think. Yeah. It's also cool, like, just how you find him. He's, like, got all of the uh, stakes through him, and you had to pull them out to revive that's him. An, yeah. That's another one of those, like, cool mechanics that I thought that this game had. Uh, when I first started playing the game, I was like, this has got all kinds of cool shit in it. Because you can just, like, rip spears off the wall. And, like, there's, like, a bespoke animation where he, like, tears the thing off the wall and then you can use it as a weapon. Uh, and I like that they reuse it there to because you pick them up. Like, you mm-hmm. can jab with them. There's nothing to jab. But you can. Uh, so I like that they reused it contextually in the boss fight that way. Yeah, yeah. And, like, that's, like, even a mechanic that they don't use a ton. I think it's in that dungeon a little bit where, like, you'll find enemies with stakes in them. And if you pull them out, they get back up. Cause right. like, yeah, if, if they were left in pale, they like stay dead air quotes. And, but then <laughs> if you pull it out, like, you know, they come back up and like, you have to, you know, reave their soul to make them stay dead. Uh, right. So I think, yeah, like that's just interesting and like cool. And, like they're actually like, they do this throughout the whole game and in the story, but like, it really felt like, yeah, this is some vampire shit. Uh, (laughs) no yeah and you're right like i think that that is uh and that does come up i'm reasonably sure in other dungeons like there are other enemies that are impaled and you can reanimate by pulling the spears out yeah and it was nice to have one boss that you killed by shining sunlight on them as well (laughs) that's true yeah you do it in the that's my least favorite boss other than Kane. Yeah. Is the one is the fish is Georg from yeah. Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask. <laughs> the whole water area was my least favorite. Not to be like a stereotypical <laughs> here and say the water area was the worst, but 
Not to be somebody who's played a video game from the <laughs> '90s before, but the water area sucks, and swimming <laughs> is bad. Uh, I nobody is surprised. By yeah, well, this. in a definitely in a PS1 game. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> oof. Uh, which I said earlier that swimming was good. I said that in <laughs> relation to it being a Metroidvania mechanic. I do not think the swimming itself was good. <laughs> it's an important point of clarification. Visually speaking, what did you think about this game? Uh, it's always difficult for me because, like, I didn't play a lot of PS1 games at the time. Uh, like, we kind of had a PS1 a little bit later when they were, like, cheaper. Because uh, so, I always feel like I think, like, N64 games look better. But so I don't know if it's like my biases, like if I think a PS1 game looks bad, <laughs> like compared <laughs> to like uh, its contemporaries or if it looks particularly good. But like I thought this looked pretty nice, uh, like a lot. I think a lot of like the better looking uh, PS1 games like lean into like the lack of anti-aliasing and stuff and like make character designs that are like real angular. And I felt right. like this game did that a lot. Like, uh, like the, its biggest enemy is probably draw distance. Cause like, you know, once again, that ambition being like wanting to make a more seamless world. Right. <laughs> you know, so you had to, you know, render it all, uh, <laughs> <laughs> PlayStation one, not always up to the task, but I think overall it looks pretty good. Yeah. I will say, as far as, like, pumping up the graphics on level three go, <laughs> uh, I did play, and I wanted to give a shout out here, uh, I played, but uh, for the, all the feds listening in, I own this game on Steam, uh, before, I bought it before it got taken off of Steam for, I've had it for many years at this point, uh, but because it is broken, <laughs> And does not work on modern hardware. I resorted to using a ROM. Uh, and specifically, I downloaded the Soul Reaver HD remaster by Reyna Audron, which came highly recommended on the subreddit for this series. Um, and it so the textures on everything in this game looked incredible to me. Uh -huh. on, <laughs> because of this ROM uh, that updated all the textures to make sure that they looked incredible. Uh, so it was an extremely weird experience for me seeing uh, what is otherwise like a... I mean, it ended up being like PS2 quality, essentially. And then having the pop-in of Silent Hill, <laughs> where suddenly I couldn't see anything. I was like, oh, God, that guy was there the whole time? Yeah. Uh, that was one a little part, bit shocking. Yeah, like I don't remember if this was in a dungeon or an optional area where you had to like jump off a cliff and glide, and like in the distance there's like a little like cliff <laughs> with a fire on it, and like you can't yep. see it before you jump off. <laughs> it's like a complete yeah. leap of faith. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the uh, the water dungeon, I think, like yeah. in the outside part. You have to like jump off a roof. <laughs> do it i was very happy to have saved states during that dungeon because mm. i was like nope i refuse to go all the way around again uh so yeah i agree with that i think however the character design um is 
um, like a million percent iconic. Like mm-hmm. when it came to designing Raziel, they fucking aced the assignment. Like it was. <laughs> <laughs> it's a night. It's a 1999 character design for sure, mm-hmm. uh, and he probably has three too many colors on him. But like, it looks cool. In yeah. my opinion. Now, I really like um, he has his like they all the vampires have their sigils and mm-hmm. like his like cape at the beginning becomes a scarf and like the, his symbol becomes upside down and it kind of looks like tears coming down his face. That's really cool. <laughs> like he has no it- jaw. So he has like a reason to like put the scarf around him and then like his wings are all like fucking destroyed by acid <laughs> or whatever so they're like little right. floppy uh paragliders or whatever uh it's, yeah it, it does i think like at first glance if you just saw the cover art it might look a little like 90s edgelord uh but like actually like in practice it's like a really cool design yeah and I, I don't know. I thought it was very cool. I also really like the, the designs of like the enemies are very much just like, what is a grotesque thing we can make in 1999 on the PlayStation One? Mm-hmm. But also the bosses, though, I think get a pretty good uh, work. They they did good work with them visually mm-hmm. as well. The the like uh, the egg laying wall bound hash slinging slasher uh-huh. uh, <laughs> is I think particularly grotesque in a way that I liked a lot. I thought it looked very cool. Uh, and honestly, the world itself, I think has a, a, a level of detail to it that makes it, uh, it, it makes it function reasonably well in, a, in terms of it being like a Metroidvania game, but like, I don't know. Just like looked nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, it avoids the like, oh, we have a lava and a space <laughs> and a dinosaur area uh, by making them feel more well interconnected, you know? Yeah, yeah. It, it feels so much more like a real place than most any other <laughs> PS1 game I could think of. Do we have Zephon thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> My Zephon thoughts are. Uh, yeah, this game has not aged super well. Um, it does have a lot of like, uh, PlayStation one stiffness. Uh, it's got, you know, like, uh, a lot of it's, it's really ambitious, I think for its time and it doesn't quite pull it all off. Uh, a lot of things feel like they're almost there, but not quite. Um, but as we were kind of saying, I think on the first half, like it's really easy. Like the game is about exploring a world, which is like my jam. So like, it's really easy for me to overlook a lot of it most of the time. Um, and yeah, I, I totally see why it's a cult classic and I really enjoyed playing it for the most part. Um, when, you know, I was like, there were times though, like, the idea of like booting it back up again because I'm stuck on a particular part, you know, they definitely had mo- plenty of moments like that. Uh, so it took a little bit longer to get through than it probably should have because uh, of that old gaminess. Uh, so definitely pulled in two directions on it. Like, I know I would have loved this if I played it at the time. 
uh yeah i just i really like to see like a interesting unique game world i like uh that the the storytelling's done pretty well the performances are good and like it felt like a thing that like if you're a fan of older games like one you should definitely go back and check out like it's got a lot of interesting things going on and it feels like it I don't know if it pioneered anything, but it feels like it's doing like ambitious stuff that like I definitely saw like it picked up and iterated on on like future games that I like a whole lot. Like you can really trace lines back to this from a few uh, plenty of modern games, I think. So, yeah, this is like a really interesting one to look at. Uh, it's been on. You know, it's a game that I've known about forever because it's a PlayStation one game. So it's cool to uh, finally take a look at this. Yeah. Uh yeah, I I really liked this game. Uh and if I had one complaint, it's that the combat sucks. It gives you no direction. It expects you to memorize symbols over the course of hours and it has way too many block pushing puzzles in it. And the music is kind of bad. Uh <laughs> But other than that. So what I but other than that, like what what I <laughs> what I actually mean is I think that this game aged uh, just tremendously badly. Uh, it's it is a really difficult game to play uh, if you're used to a modern experience. Um, and I like what you said. Basically, like that qualifier. This is a game that actually does do a lot of very cool things within the genre. A genre that was like not particularly well explored at the time. Uh, it was one of the people one of the games that was striking out and trying to do new things within it uh, to really build it and, and find what works. But uh, you, you, you said that this is a game that you de definitely should check out. If you're somebody who likes to go back and visit old games. And that is probably true, but I find it a very difficult recommend uh, just on like average. I, I, th I think that most people, picking up this game would put it back down <laughs> almost <laughs> instantaneously after beating like the first level and not knowing where to go. Uh, so yeah, I didn't particularly enjoy my time with this, uh, but I did find a lot in it that I thought was at least extremely cool design, uh, which I'm always uh, here for, and I do understand why it has the reputation that it does. Uh, and so, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> uh, thank you for listening to No Clip this week. What are we talking about next time? Uh, next time, we're going to be talking about, I almost said, Call Val Valheim Van Gogh. Hold on, you, you were right. It's Val. It was right. Van Valheim. Yeah, okay. Valheim. Next time we're going to be talking about Valheim, uh, which is a survival game, which I believe is a genre of game that we have not talked about at all before. Uh, no, I don't think so. Yeah, so that'll be interesting. Uh, we're going to try and play it together. Uh, so, which is also going to be a different vibe. Uh, it's been a long-ass time since we've done, uh, like, a, a... I mean, it's been since, like, Tiny Tina, but... Yeah. That was, like, a year and a half. Uh, so, uh, that'll be that'll be cool. Uh, and we're going to see how that plays out. 
uh, as this game, as above, so below, as this game was, that was also a suggestion for Fan Brewery. Uh, so, uh, all the stuff I said at the beginning, pretty cool. I thanks to everyone who submitted games. Uh, it's been. Uh, and interesting, we got a good list this year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's been really difficult to pick <laughs> games from it. So, uh, looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. We're spoiled for choice. <laughs> Truly. And until that time, you can get a hold of us. All of our contact information is on our website at noclippodcast.com or on splattershot.pro. There you can find links to our Twitter account, our email address, uh, the Discord where people suggested games for us, uh, and our YouTube channel. And you can find all of our old episodes, including ones that we did on Metroid Dread, Hollow Knight. Metroid Prime. Metroid Prime. These are Metroidvanias. Didn't we just (laughs) do a, a game... (laughs) <laughs> like a playstation game uh maybe like literally a month ago oh yeah uh what was it hold on <laughs> we're getting old oh trapped oh trapped yeah you can li- yeah you can check out trap our episode on trapped that is a I guess it's not even really that close in era to this, but, yeah. you know. Do we have a playlist called Action Games? <laughs> uh, we have one called Adventure okay, Games. Okay, yeah. Peruse the Adventure Games playlist. Yeah. Uh, push uh, a block <laughs> off of a ledge and have it fall into and ring that bell. Push a block onto the like button. Uh, also, uh crouch down and then flip a block up onto another block in the comment section so that you can reach the subscribe button exactly create a stack of blocks (laughs) in the comments I wonder how well that synced up. (laughs) I bet not well.